Welcome to the Comedy Mom Podcast. I am Katie Ipok, your comedy mom. And today I've got my bestest friend in the whole entire world, with Jessica Taylor. Oh, what an intro. Hello, hello. <laughs> you're my favorite. Oh, stop it. And you're you really say that to all your best friends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like three of you. All right. <laughs> oh, there's three? Wait, what? <laughs> So, Hold on. <laughs> so, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, I have been, I guess, officially um, a year and a half. I feel like my whole life I've been ridiculously sarcastic and silly, but um, officially on ye stage for about a year and a half. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really honest. It's really weird asking you questions that like I I already know the answer to. Yes, we're doing it for the people. It's for the people. <laughs> for, the people. <laughs> for the children. <laughs> so what was your first open mic like? Oh, oh wow. Um, well, as as you know obviously what we just discussed, uh it was more so on a dare, a challenge. Uh I you and a couple of other comics in town kept bugging me and saying just get up there just try it just do it you'll do well and I'm like you guys don't know what you're talking about I'm funny like this I'm not funny up there with a mic in my hand I'll look like a, a fool and um so you know I wrote a couple things down I went to a bunch of open mics to kind of see how it was done and then I got up there and did my first set and little did I know it was competition night <laughs> so that was fun <laughs> fun little surprise um for the finalists to move on to the super fight mic that took place a few months later so um anyway it was uh gosh it was scary it was fun you equated it to a roller coaster ride which is a very appropriate metaphor it feels like this it still feels this way actually it feels like this terrifying um self-doubt and what am i doing to myself right before you go up there and then you're up there and you don't quite remember what's going on but then when you walk off the stage it's this amazing feeling of i just did that and even if it didn't go well you still went through your fears and that that is exactly why it's addicting i think that's so it was fun it was fun but it was um looking back at it it's a little cringeworthy <laughs> when you watch your first open mic and you're like oh don't laugh at that no you stop it that's not funny at all like that's a sympathy laugh you cut that out so um it, it was fun it was it was scary but it was it was really it was worth it so I guess that's the bottom line it's definitely worth it to try the new scary things I could totally agree I mean most scary things <laughs> out of the two of us I'm the more scaredy cat there's a lot of scary things I won't ever We're try. working on it. <laughs> Get you there. <laughs> Slowly but surely. So mm -hmm. what advice would you have for somebody who's thinking about trying comedy for the first time? Um, that's a great question. I think the mentality to get behind in wanting to try comedy is don't plan to fail because I think that type of mentality excuses you not to try your best which you absolutely should but also don't be hard on yourself if you do um don't have like a negative expectation just going into it because then you're you're basically going to do a self-fulfilling prophecy and you're going to fail but if it doesn't go well 
that's that's fine that's normal it's it's not normal for someone's first open mic to just blow people out of the water um i don't even think mine necessarily quote blew people out of the water i just had so much bitterness and hostility towards my life experiences that i was able to project <laughs> that on a stage in a funny way that i'd been holding on to for so long but i think just right observation um Joe Rogan said something that I thought was great when I was listening to one of his podcasts a while back, and it was write everything down that you experience on the daily. Just make yourself sit down 15 minutes a day and write it down, not in a funny way, just in an observational way. Just write it down and then come back to it and see, okay, how is that funny? Because it happens to everybody else. How can I turn that into a bit? And how can I elaborate? And how can I make this funny? And oh, there's a punchline. And so just by going day to day, like going to get coffee, there, there's a bit in there where you can just take that and turn it into something hilarious. And sometimes they can evolve into like a five, 10, 15 minute set. And it's fantastic, but you don't know until you try. So don't be afraid to try. You just got to try it. Got to try it. Mikey, he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> got to try it. <laughs> this is what happens when we get together it's just chaos man (laughs) (laughs) so i mean i i asked you because you were on my actual radio show yesterday so i know i asked you this question yesterday but um if you could go back in time and give baby comic you advice what would you give baby comic jessica Oh, I mean, some of the advice, I actually thought about it more later after your show was over. Um, Some of it is applicable to just women and some of it is to any aspiring comics, I think. But I'm going to start with the ladies. Um, Stop worrying so much about how you look on stage because that's what I did. I used to dress up pretty fancy to go up on stage because I felt like I was giving a presentation, so to speak, that appearance was very important. And I actually found that, you know, don't look like a slob, obviously, like, you know, don't don't let yourself go and then go on stage. Uh, (laughs) That's not the message here. Um, (laughs) Take off your sweatpants, honey. Um, No, I feel like if you go up there comfortably, like dress up, look nice, you know, don't look like you've given up on society, but don't also go over the top and feel that you're there to impress just based on appearance, because it's your, your art is your words. It's your paintbrush. It's Um, obviously a nice frame makes a piece of art look better. So present yourself in a way that you feel will accent your material. But as a female, don't feel like you have to go up there and just be dressed to the nines and really class it up because quite honestly, it's comedy. And the more classy it is, the harder it is for the audience to relate because a lot of the things personally that I talk about um, are not classy. (laughs) So it's kind of a a paradox where, oh, wow, this girl in a dress is talking a lot about, you know, male genitalia. So it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta find that fine line. I think be comfortable on stage. It's nerve wracking enough, regardless of what's going through your head and what attire you're in to be stressing about your appearance. So just go what's comfortable try to look nice but don't don't freak out about that ladies it's okay just be you <laughs> dang it right so that would be my advice just to the women specifically um and men maybe men stress about it too i don't know i'm not a guy maybe they do worry like do i wear a suit do i wear a tie do i just wear a t-shirt and jeans like just wear whatever you feel is applicable to your material and that you're just one click up as far as appearance Appe- wow words are hard appearance i think so 
that's my advice as far as that superficial crap. Um, gosh, advice to comedy Jess. Um, it's okay to work on the same set for a lengthy period of time. When I first started comedy, I thought I had to have new material every single open mic, every single set. And what happened, which is great, like write all the time as much as you can. However, what happens is the stuff you did two, three months ago, you never develop. So it's always at like a C level of comedy. You'll never get it up to that A game. And I'm finding now old material that I haven't done in like six, eight months is really bad. <laughs> and I've never worked on it. <laughs> and I'll go back and read it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is atrocious. And so don't be afraid thing for a long time because you can take one joke and change one word and you get, you know, three seconds long longer of laughter from the audience just by that one word change. So don't be afraid to play with words and things like that. Just, I guess, don't be afraid is kind of the bottom line here. Don't, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. <laughs> so there, there's my advice for, for baby Jess in the comedy scene. We don't have time to go into actual baby <laughs> Jess. But <laughs> as far as comedy goes, don't be scared and have, have fun also. Enjoy that. Enjoy that ride. I used to fight it. I, you know, I get nauseous before every show still. But now I almost embrace it or like, okay, this is just part of, this is part of doing it, which to me, it's a gift. It's my body and brain telling me I'm not okay with my performance yet, which is good. I've still got that humility where I want to improve. I'm not like, well, I've got this. It'll be fine. I never want to get to that stage. I feel like that's, there's no growth in that attitude. So I want to have a little bit of fear before I do a set, even if it's a set I've done 50, 60 times, which is not the case. But that's the, still the feeling I want to feel when I've done that many is still that slight bit of trepidation. Like, okay, it's, there's still a fear. So that means, you know, you're not perfect, which newsflash, I'm not. So what? it's nice to have that little humility. You're perfect. Don't lie. <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> you're, you're perfect to me. Oh, well, <laughs> you heard it, fellas. <laughs> you heard it right here. Perfection exists. Come quick. <laughs> here it is. So I coined a term the other day at a show, light fright. So a comic oh. that when they see the light in the back of the room, they get weirded out by it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you definitely have a case of light fright. Oh, dude, the worst case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's gotten better, but it has. If someone was experiencing that and, you know, to clarify, because again, this podcast is for people in their first year and right. never, my husband just set off our fire alarm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you burn the bacon, Chris. What's going on over there? I'm almost afraid to go look oh i think you stop? should just go hide in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> honey no, no. i don't care if you're on fire we're doing a podcast <laughs> take care of yourself right you got this i think it stopped okay out here is yeah is everybody okay i think so okay back to the hiding hole all right like right. um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're back <laughs> Okay, so just a reminder, the light is what the producer or the host in the back of the room gives you. 
to let you know that your set is almost done. Um, So that is the light. (laughs) And some people tend to be afraid of it. They tend to like, and at least for my open mic rooms, when your set is five minutes, I give you a light at four minutes. So, you know, you have a whole minute to wrap up. But some people, and I'm guilty of this, see the light and they like just bail. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Like mm -hmm. finish the sentence and run away. Um, How, well, first of all, how are you doing with your light, Bright? (laughs) Better, better. It's, um, I think for me, the light fright. I love that. Uh, That's a fantastic little little rhyme time there. Um, (laughs) I think for me is, you know, maybe it's my theater background. I think that could be what it is, is that's why it just triggered me instantly. Like, you need to be done. You need to wrap it up. Because in theater, if you overstay your stage time, you're now infringing on your fellow actors. And that is a huge disrespect in the theater scene where, you know, get off the stage. It's not about you. It's about the show as a whole. And so I think for me, starting in comedy, which is its own type of quote theater in its own right, is as soon as I see that light, I now realize I this is not my time. It is my time on stage. However, it's time I've been given. And so if I see that light and someone's like, okay, you're, you're done here. I want to get off that stage as fast as possible. Now in the beginning, as soon as I saw that light, it would like give me this pit, like you've overstayed. You're welcome. Get off. And so <laughs> it's not, it's not quite that reaction anymore. Um, but I do like that we have a little bit of freedom with the light signaling in the world of comedy, which I didn't know until probably six months, a year ago, that you can say, hey, if I'm being asked to do, say, a 20-minute set, can you light me at 15 and then light me again at 17? I didn't know that was an option. I thought, you see the light, you wrap it up, you get off stage. That's what I thought because I was dumb. So I think knowing that you have a little bit of power in that makes at least makes me feel better, where if I'm doing like a 20-minute set or when we did that one show, The Three Ladies and a Queen, and we were supposed to do you know 25 to 30, I like to have multiple lights. Well, two, not like, I don't, I don't get too crazy, but just so that I know where I stand. Cause it is like a time vacuum when you're up there. Like sometimes you've been talking for 10 minutes or so it seems. And I'm waiting for that light. Cause I'm doing like a short opening set. And I'm like, where is Katie? She's nowhere to be found. And I've been doing like three minutes, you know, it's like nothing <laughs> has taken place. So I think don't be afraid of the light. Just know it's a way of saying, Hey, whatever joke you're doing, don't rush through it because that's what I still do is all of a sudden I get motor mouth and I try to talk as fast as possible to get the entire joke out, which is awful because then nobody knows what you're saying and it doesn't even land anyway. But I think just see the light, acknowledge it, and then take your time to carefully craft the end of that joke and then end on it, even if it's not your best joke, because a lot of us want to end on a really good joke, you know, a mic dropping joke, so to speak, and then walk off the stage. But if your timing has been great and you've gotten more laps and you didn't even get to the end, that's not bad that you're being lit up already and you're not even to the end because that means it went well. So see the light, acknowledge light, don't be afraid of it and just wrap it up and then get off stage. Because chances are, as you wrap it up, it's not going to be an additional five minutes to wrap it up. And that's normally when you're lit up during a showcase is you do have a decent amount of time still. So, so you, you touched on this a second ago, but do you feel like time moves differently when you're on stage? It really does. It really does. Like a lot of times 
I, I over prepare for my sets. Um, and that's putting it mildly. <laughs> I read through them about 50 times the day of the show. And so when you do that, even though you try to accommodate for anticipated laugh breaks or awkward pauses, or sometimes, you know, the punchline is silence so that the audience has time to soak in what you just said, you can never really plan for how it's going to go on stage and always have more material than you think you'll need. Always. Even if you think it's too much, bring it all um, because you just never know how it's going to go. But once you're up there, yeah, you do feel like your, your time doesn't exist because all you're thinking about is, well, you're set for one. You're trying not to forget things. You're trying to make eye contact with the audience. Like there's so many things going through your brain while you're up there, you know, holding the mic properly and taking it off the stand and moving around. And all of a sudden time doesn't exist and you're just in it, which I think is the best place to get to when you don't have to worry about time and that's why the light should be your friend you don't you don't worry about time don't think about it and once you see it just appreciate what you've been able to do so far and then like i said wrap it up but yeah i think that time is it's non-existent sometimes i've done a 10 minute set that felt like an hour and i've done a 20 minute set that felt like five minutes so you, you just never know how it's going to feel especially if you're really plugged in with the audience you're feeling that energy this, the notion of time is completely on the other side of your brain. It's not even existent because you're, you're in it, which is great, but then keep track of your time as well. Record your sets. I mean, I think that helps a lot too, which I need to get better about. And that way you can see how long they actually take on stage instead of when you're doing the preparations. Right. You and I both. Yeah. It's, it's hard I'm to remember because you're thinking about so many other things. Well, and we're blessed, the two of us. We definitely work in mostly packed rooms, yeah. not brag, but, and it can be hard in a sold out show to like find a place to put your phone and not feel like you're disturbing somebody. Mm-hmm, for sure. You know, I do a lot of voice recording my sets because you know if the sound system is doing its job you can put a phone almost anywhere and it can be picked up mm -hmm. but i mean you miss a lot of that non-verbal stuff you do i i've never done an audio recording and i've done visuals and i needed i need visuals still i i am so twitchy when i'm on stage i like i said i recently watched my first open mic that was i mean that was physically painful to see but i'm scratching my <laughs> arm the whole time like a meth head like just scratching no, not moving anywhere else i'm surprised i didn't break skin like it was just such a tick but i could see as an audience member instead of hearing the words i was saying they're like what is with this chick up there scratching her arm for five minutes straight like what is the ship fleas she's got the, the crabs <laughs> like what is going on up there they're not hearing what i'm saying they're just cocking their head like she's kind of weird so I audio is great. So you can do like, you know, laugh breaks and you can see if you're, you know, you can hear everything, which I think is good. But for me, I need visual as well. I, I have to see what the heck I'm doing. I notice I touch my hair way too much. I'm flipping it back. I'm moving it forward. Like I'm doing a Pantene commercial. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. And then I also notice I make my trout face a lot. And I didn't even realize I had a trout face until I watched my videos. Trout and, um, 
Yeah, where I'm doing like a full on upside down smile when I'm pondering something like, hmm. Oh, and it's like, yeah. yeah. See, you know the trout face. <laughs> no. It's like a full, I look like I should, I'm waiting for a hook to hit me in the face. <laughs> not cute. It's not cute at all. Um, yeah. So I, I think being able to look at yourself and kind of self-growth and critiquing, it, it, that's a weird thing to do. It's very few fields where you're able to do that. But it's kind of a nice thing as well, where you can really just, okay, that joke was good, but if I had paused here, then that person over there would have laughed harder because they finally got it and I was already into the next joke. Like you can see reactions, you can, there's so many layers to this player. It's just crazy. <laughs> so before I let you go, I also kind of wanted to talk about comedy and relationships because you have been. I'm kind of both sides of that aisle. I have. Not to, sure have. Not to out you, but you were once kind of a chuckle bunny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> and, no shame. <laughs> Full on. <laughs> and then you you took those skills via osmosis and then became... <laughs> I don't know. If we want to be real, the comics I dated aren't even funny, so... <laughs> I think, I think the osmosis didn't really take. <laughs> they got better, though. <laughs> Did they? No. <laughs> okay. So yes, I missed that part. <laughs> so you've been kind of on both sides of this. Yes. Which is exciting. So first, let's talk about the chuckle bunny side. Um, of course, I did the episode with my husband a little bit ago. So we heard about the guy side of being married to a comic although we know my husband is way cooler than he should be about most way things. cooler yes he is <laughs> Chris, what? Chris is the man <laughs> right yeah what is it like to date a comic um gosh I feel like there's so many there's the stereotypical comic attitude where they're seriously up there because they're narcissistic and they want attention but there's also comics that go up there because they they really genuinely want to connect with people about dark stuff that they can't really talk about socially. So I feel like there's so many different reasons why people do comedy. So I, in regards to comics I've dated, I feel like um, of the three that I've dated, although the third apparently doesn't think we were dating, but whatever, I won't get into that. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. a story for another day kids um <laughs> is is that i've noticed either one they wanted me to be like a trophy wife and kind of like look at this chick who thinks i'm funny which i didn't care for that or because one of the comics i was dating i started doing comedy while we were dating he immediately felt threatened because as comics do he was getting picked on and being asked how does it feel to have your girlfriend be funnier than you are which i'm not <laughs> saying i am but he, you know we harass each other it's what we do right <laughs> and so i think for those two guys it was hard that was difficult and then you know number three i guess we, we don't need to talk about him he's he's just not worth the energy but i think in that in that regard i i i was I was drawn to the appeal of the funny guy. Like you see these guys on Saturday Night Live or these goofy guys 
on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, that they're famous because they're funny, not because they're necessarily drop dead gorgeous. And they've got these beautiful women next to them because women do like funny guys. But at the same time, that fizzles because you've got like this celebrity ideal and your big, you know, moon eyes that you're looking at somebody and you're not seeing them for the person they are. And so I think that happens for us as women too, where these guys like, I like a funny independent woman because they have this romanticized version of how it's supposed to go. But then when they see said funny independent woman on stage, getting laughs, attention, cheers from men and women alike, that's hard for a lot of men to see because they want to be your cheerleader and they don't like that you're getting it from other people. And that makes them feel inadequate. Now, not all men. I'm not saying all men. I actually think the dude I'm dating now is the first one that is not insecure, which is amazing, (laughs) but that's hard to find because you want to do your own thing. And for some people, even though they say they support you, it's really difficult for them to just sit by and observe it when they maybe feel that they're not reaching their potential i don't know it's hard to get inside other people's brains but it's it's a tricky road to walk when you have a quote celebrity feel in bend oregon nonetheless but (laughs) still (laughs) some sort of where people just want to cheer you on because you are a quote celebrity and that is really hard for some people to support you in a relationship in that regard because like I said, insecurity drives people to do, and fear drives people to do weird things. And so they think, well, if you're getting attention from all these guys, you must, you must want to bang them all, which is what I've been accused of uh, from by multiple guys, which I'm like, yeah, if a guy laughs at me, all of a sudden my panties drop. Like, how did you know me so well? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> but it's a hard road to walk because multiple personalities, well, not that I've dated a guy with it, but multiple personalities uh, are affected differently when they're dating somebody who is a quote celebrity in town. So it's, it's tricky. It's hard. It's not easy at all. It's not for the weak. And that kind of answers my next question. I was going to ask you about what it's like to date civilians as a comic, a civilian being, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, the term I use for people who have never performed stand up and aren't even fans. Cause I think there's some people that don't perform stand up comedy, but they're such a fan of it that they're not, really a civilian yeah i'd agree with that there are definitely people that are are just straight up civilians (laughs) yeah we have groupies yeah yeah and they're decent to be around but um i love our groupies oh they're amazing (laughs) but for the most part how do you think and you kind of just answered this but how do you men handle dating a female comic not not well not well (laughs) i and and this is not like i'm not a man basher i actually think women need to calm down a little bit on men but um again another story for another day but i think i understand their mindset because a lot of men have this need to protect and um that they want to go you know kill the dragon and drag it to you and say look what i did for you and when a woman is on stage completely holding her own and requiring zero male presence to do something awesome i think and comedy to me is just the best outlet i could have ever tried and and do well in um do well i say loosely we're in bend oregon in case you forgot but anyway (laughs) (laughs) i think that type of mindset is hard for insecure men to to accept and to support without there being some sort of underlying bitterness of inadequacy where they feel like i wasn't able 
to bring you to that level of quote success or self validation that you are getting from strangers. And I have had guys that I've dated where as soon as I get off the stage doing what I thought was a great set, they just give me nothing but criticism and tell me everything I did wrong because it made them feel better. Right. It's just, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is. At least for you. I don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're good, girl. (laughs) You're good. As my mother likes to say, I found my salmon in the carp full of slough. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so people wanted to find out more information about you, Jessica. Where do they find you? Well, I'm not on Facebook because I hate it, um, but I am on Instagram <laughs> and my, my handle is the real Jess Taylor. And you can see all of the craziness of the rabbit hole of my mind. <laughs> it is fantastic. And because we can on this show... You want to talk about your upcoming dates? Oh, yeah. Well, heck yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Uh, Oh, I am super stoked because I'm doing something new where I'm since I mentioned I did theater um, years ago and now comedy, I get to combine the two, so to speak. This Saturday, we're doing our version of Don't Get Mad Comedy Central. I'm going to say (laughs) drunk history. No infringement. meant at all is we're doing our own little bend version of hammered history this saturday at craft kitchen where um, me and i think is it six others yourself included yeah five others um, you and i get to get drunk together yes which that is that's a vulnerability i'm not ready for like, at all <laughs> but um the 420 show was hard enough and oh, actually now i'm dying to do another one but anyway um so we are we've all been given very obscure um topics related to holidays and traditions and we have to research them to the best of our abilities using the interwebs and uh, then we get sloshed and go on stage and try to educate the masses in a drunken stupor (laughs) about (laughs) about the topic we've been given and my topic is Krampus so I'm pretty excited to try that out that'll be fun yeah, I, I'm stoked because it's not something I've written per se. It's just me getting drunk, giving some sort of folklore retelling. And uh, who knows where the liquor might drive me. I mean, maybe I'll be up on a table just, ah, it's Krampus. I mean, who knows what's going to take over in my brain. But it'll be fun. I'm excited. I'm excited to try something a little different, but still in a comedy vein. Right. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so Jessica fine. Taylor at the real Jess Taylor on Instagram, my bestie. And really, yeah. like, if I'm the comedy mom, you're kind of the comedy aunt around here. I I am starting to feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> I am definitely the comedy aunt. I am I am the one that they ask the really awkward questions to about drug, sex, and rock and roll. And <laughs> it's um. <laughs> It's kind of, I like it, but it's also, I didn't see that coming um, <laughs> at all. Like, hey, you want to come out and party? I'm like, well, I have two children I'm home with, but I'm there in spirit. And they're like, hey, what does acid do? I'm like, whoa, all right. Let's, um, okay. <laughs> or I get asked about relationships or um, how to handle employment issues or all kinds of stuff. It's, it's kind of neat. Like I take it as a huge compliment, but it's also quite a surprise that I am, 
I'm comedy aunt, but I'll, I'll take it. I mean, that's, I've been called worse, so I'll take it. <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. I think I want to have you okay. back eventually because you and I need to talk about what it's like to be an actual mom and do comedy. Oh God. Yeah. We could totally talk about that. Yeah. That'll be another episode for another time again at the real Jess Taylor on Instagram. This has been another episode of the Comedy Mom Podcast. As always, take your vitamins, take good care of yourself, and don't be a dick on stage.